0: Hello there and welcome to the Lupus Ontario podcast. I'm Brent Leonard. This is our third episode discussing the impact Lupus can have on student life and how as a student or recent graduate you can navigate Lupus to be successful in your academics and when you're starting your career. My special guest for you today is Joy Phillips. Joy had an exceptional academic journey where she went to college for one program and graduated, but after some time had passed, decided to go back to school again for a second degree. Going back to school for a second degree can be onerous in its own right, even more so when you consider that it was in between these two academic periods where Joy was first diagnosed with lupus. Joy joins us today to talk about what that experience was like, how going back to school after having been diagnosed with lupus was perhaps different than the first time around, and how all of this came together to drive where she is at in her career now in her post-university life. So without any further ado, Joy, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thanks, Brent. Excited to be here.
0: So before we dive in, let's start with just a little bit of background. We're going to go through your academic journey in just a moment, but before we do, why not tell us first what school you went to initially, what you majored in, and when you graduated?
1: Yeah, so initially I went to a school called the Randolph. It was called the Randolph Academy for the Performing Arts, and now I believe it's called Randolph College for the Performing Arts. So it's now a recognized college in Ontario, it's based in Toronto, and they have one post-secondary program which is the triple threat program for musical theater so that is what I came to Toronto to study I grew up in PEI so I came all the way from PEI right after high school and I did musical theater uh, that program lasted two years and yeah
0: okay and how about for part two of your academic life could you tell us what school you went to and what you studied
1: So part two, I went to the University of Toronto. I graduated in June, 2019. I studied human biology and bioethics.
0: That's quite a change. Fantastic. Okay, so I'm sure we're gonna talk about why you went back to school for a second time to study biology and bioethics. But before we get there, let's back up a little bit. And can you tell us when you were first diagnosed with lupus? what the lead up to the diagnosis was like for you and maybe your family in terms of symptoms and daily life and take us through what that diagnosis was like for you and how maybe you found that the student experience changed with your diagnosis compared to when you went through for your first degree without having a lupus diagnosis.
1: That's a great question. Yeah, so I guess I'll start with kind of how it all happened. So I was 22. Living downtown Toronto, living it up, uh, trying to make it as a musical theater performer, you know, working precarious jobs. I was teaching dance, coaching gymnastics, working in retail, um, you know, to support myself. And then I also had uh, talent agents and was going to auditions. So that was kind of my lifestyle. It was very, very free. And I was still very young and kind of finding finding my roots. And all of a sudden, I... I woke up one day and had, you know, just kind of sore uh, and stiff wrists. And I thought, oh, that's kind of strange. Um, But I didn't think too much of it because it was very mild. And then over the course of about three weeks, the pain and stiffness really increased and I felt it really strongly in the morning, but it kind of lasted throughout the whole day. Um, It got worse and worse and it started kind of spreading to other joints in my body. It was kind of this it was that symmetrical pattern so it was on both sides of the body it was affecting my knees my wrists my elbows my shoulders um, it was progressively getting worse and then at about the three-week mark and I think this was kind of a turning point when I decided to go see a doctor um, was I noticed something called a Raynaud's attack so Raynaud's for those listeners who don't know it's a condition that sometimes accompanies lupus and basically it causes the tiny blood vessels in your extremities, such as your fingers and toes, to constrict, and it basically restricts blood circulation. And so, I'm, so my fingers, I, it was in the winter, so I went outside, and uh, my hands were exposed to the cold, and all of a sudden, my fingertips just turned white. And I thought, oh that's not, that's not, that's not right. Something, something's off. So that was sort of the beginning of it. That I did go see a uh, a doctor. At the time, I didn't even have a family doctor. And so I just went to a walk-in clinic downtown Toronto. I told them my symptoms. They said, oh, okay, let's uh, let's send you for a blood test and come back in a week for your results. So I did that. Um, meanwhile, the symptoms were getting worse and worse. And a week later, I went back. The doctor, the clinic doctor didn't really say anything to me. He just said, I'm going to refer you to a specialist. So I think he Already had a pretty strong idea of what was going on, but I was sort of kept in the dark. Flash forward to about one or two weeks later, and so it all happened very quickly. Um, I'm I'm seeing a specialist, a rheumatologist, and I walk into the office. There was not a lot of lead up, and they basically just told me it's almost certain that I have lupus. I didn't know what lupus was. It was very scary. I asked if I was going to die. Is there a cure? No, there's not a cure. Okay, what's going to happen to me? Um, the doctor just wasn't very reassuring. They said, well, you know, I wouldn't want to have it. But you know, it affects everyone sort of differently. So it's hard to say how serious it's going to affect you, or how, how bad it's going to be for you. And so, yeah, I it was kind of a traumatic experience It happened. So from my very first symptoms to getting that diagnosis was at the most two months, probably closer to six weeks. And within those six weeks, my arthritis and joint pain had escalated to a point where I was not functioning very well, it was very bad. And so yeah, that was a very fast process of getting diagnosed. So in a way I was grateful for that, but it also just kind of came out of nowhere. And so it was a very challenging time for sure.
0: And I'm assuming also at the same time as you're kind of dealing with these symptoms as they come up and now you're getting this news, it is impacting what you love and your hobbies. So the dance and the performing and so on, um, did it have an impact on that or were you able to still continue with that?
1: Yeah, so I've been reflecting just in preparation for the interview. I've been reflecting a lot on sort of how that diagnosis really impacted my life and my career trajectory. And I re- I still remember because at that time I was taking a lot of dance classes in the city to stay in shape so that I could do well at auditions and things like that. And I remember the last dance class that I took before I basically took a break, I think for maybe five years, six years even. Um, And it was, I was taking a a ballet class. I even remember what I was wearing and I was doing exercises at the bar and I remember doing a plie. I don't know if you know what a plie is, friends.
0: <laughs> I'm not up to date on my PA. Okay.
1: It involves bending your knees. And I remember my knees were just so bad at that point. And this was really early on. This was about a month, a couple months into having experienced my first symptoms. it was still pretty new. And I couldn't, I couldn't even bend my knees. Like I was just in so much pain. And I kind of, this terrifying thought just sort of dawned on me I, I can't do this right now. I can't dance. Um, and so I had to kind of put that on the back burner for a while. But what I did instead, because I do have a background in singing, acting, and dancing, I sort of pivoted my career goal- goals at that point. So moved away from musical theater, performance, and dance, and moved more into singing and songwriting. So I was still getting that performance aspect, but it was something that I could do uh, physically. It was something that I was able to do for several years before I went back to school.
0: You mentioned that the specialist who saw you initially uh, perhaps wasn't the warm and fuzzy type of doctor and, and was straight to the point and didn't give you mm-hmm. a whole lot of information. Do you have any insights in terms of finding that doctor that that finally fit with you and who's perhaps helping you now? Do you have any insights on that?
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I feel so fortunate um, that I do live in a big city where I sort of have the luxury, I would say, of requesting a different rheumatologist Um, and unfortunately I did have some sort of negative experiences in the first couple of years of having lupus with uh, actually two different rheumatologists I saw before I have the current one that I have now Um, and and yeah something that I felt was really missing from those interactions when I would visit their office was just kind of basic sort of compassion and empathy and I know that sounds like such a simple thing because Maybe they are a very qualified and excellent physician in so many ways, but um, for me, I was going in to those visits really vulnerable and scared and sort of at my worst and um, not having a doctor that I kind of felt comfortable talking to or that I felt would be like upset after appointments based on kind of how I was treated. For me, it was really important to find a healthcare provider, a rheumatologist specifically that, you know, treated me with a compassion and was kind so that I felt comfortable sort of communicating my needs with them. And so I'm really lucky that I do have that now.
0: It can make a huge difference if you have, it doesn't have to be a, a good relationship with your doctor or a close one, but you have to be able to trust them to the point where you can be honest about things because let's face it if you're going to see a doctor, you think there's a problem and you're not going to want that to be advertised to just anybody, you need to feel comfortable sharing whatever details happen to be of issue mm-hmm. with this person. So it can make a huge impact on uh, how willing you are to kind of bring issues to the fore and mm-hmm. and really be open and, and kind of be your own advocate in that moment for your own care. So it, it's really important to have that relationship. And if you can't find it right away, you know, hopefully you can eventually, and it sometimes is something that develops just with time, but it's really Mm -hmm. great that you were able to find that. And and now you're in a a much better place, um, at least with the relationship with your your practitioner and rheumatologist.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. If we kind of take all of that into consideration, the symptoms, and Mm -hmm. just the stress that you were going through in this period, if you've kind of take that on one side and then you reflect back to when you were in school the first time for for performing arts what was life like then versus now obviously now it's a lot more stressful you've got a lot more questions about your health and what it all means Mm -hmm. can you kind of contrast that with what it was like going to school back then and then kind of bring us to going back to U of T oh
1: my goodness Okay, so it's really, Brent, it's very hard to compare the two just because there were so many things that were different, not just that my health situation was completely a new factor now. Um, So the school that I went to was a fine arts college. So just the whole atmosphere, um, the program itself was so different. Um, And so that was one thing. Um, For example, a typical day in my musical theater program at Randolph was getting up, dance class at 8 a.m., then acting class where we would, you know, like roll around on the floor and like do all these like cool exercises. And then we'd be like reading plays and doing scene study in the evening, totally different. U of T and the Randolph Academy are just kind of two like opposite environments. Um, U of T is an excellent, excellent university. But it is a very traditional university. So, you know, it's those lecture big, lecture, big lecture halls, you know, tests at the testing center, like just a very different environment. And in a way, for me, it was harder. The program itself was harder. Maybe it wouldn't be for other people, but I found it It was just, demanded a lot of me in a way that the other program didn't. Also, when I went to the Randolph Academy, I was 18 years old. When I went to U of T, I was 27. So this was almost 10 years later. I went back as a mature student. I was married. I had so much like life experience at that point. I'd lived so much. So that was different too. I think I brought a lot more maturity. When I went to U of T, it came with a lot more maturity and I was there in a way a lot more focused. I was there to study, to learn, to get good grades. Whereas With my experience at Randolph, perhaps because of my age, I was really there to kind of have fun, explore, find myself. It was very different. I hope that answers the question. But with respect to the health piece, yeah, I definitely knew that I had more limitations when I was at U of T. I definitely felt that. Whereas when I was at Randolph studying theater, you know, I could go out the night before a full day of classes and just push through and be fine. (laughs) At least I thought I was fine. I don't don't know. Maybe it affected my performance, but I didn't think so at the time. But at U of T, I just knew I had had to set boundaries for myself or I wasn't going to be able to kind of get through a week or get through a semester and sort of get those grades that I wanted. So I really had to pace myself. So that was something um, that was very different for me was just having to be a lot more self-disciplined and mindful about sort of how i was using my time where I was at, where i was expending my energy
0: it sounds like a really tremendous period of personal growth through a whole host of different modalities you went to school you got married you got a diagnosis, you went to a different school for something <laughs> completely different as well yeah. and all of that there's a lot that goes with a lot with all of that Um, but if we look at when you went to U of T, did you know at that time that you wanted to study biology and bioethics and do you know why you wanted to make that pivot?
1: Yes and no. So basically I decided to go back to school because I was at a point in my life where it was becoming very difficult to support myself as an artist and the work that I was doing outside of my work my artistic endeavors was basically bartending and things that I was doing to make money and support myself but it was really hard on my health it was physically hard on my body and it was becoming not really a sustainable situation Um, and so I made the very difficult decision to kind of give up something that I really loved to go back to school it was it was a challenging time in my life. And I felt like part of me kind of felt like I had to do it. I had to go back. I had to get a quote unquote grown-up job. And so I actually started off, I did start off in bioethics because I knew I was very interested in that. But the major that I started off in was actually actuarial science, which is very different than biology. Mm -hmm. Um, I really liked math when I was in high school. And so I thought, hey, (laughs) You know, I kind of researched what, what, was, what were kind of the emerging fields to get into, and I thought, hey, this sounds like a really cool profession. I'm going to try this. And so my first year at U of T, you know, I had to take economics, I had to take stats, I had to take calculus, all these courses, and I realized, whoa, this is not for me <laughs> <laughs> at all. And, you know, my interest in health science and health research Had really started kind of before I went back to school, I knew I was really passionate about health and learning more about how diseases work and things like that. But I think I never really seriously considered studying biology until I was kind of faced with a decision where I was was already at university. I knew I needed to kind of change my major. And this is really where my interests were. And so I didn't know exactly at the time what I was going to do with that degree, but I knew that I was really passionate about learning about biology and human disease. And so I just took that leap and I changed majors. I kind of changed paths a little bit. Even after my first year, I was still kind of figuring things out. Um, And I I ended up just loving my program. Yeah.
0: If you think back to the day you were diagnosed and the questions you had about lupus at that time
1: Mm
0: -hmm. did you upon getting the diagnosis kind of dive in and start doing your own research and do you think maybe now looking back on it was that kind of the gateway to bring you through to biology and bioethics that you've studied now
1: oh absolutely it was totally the gateway I I think when I first was diagnosed actually I didn't really have a lot of Health information literacy. I didn't really understand even where to go to get information, let alone the capacity to really absorb it and understand it fully. So it did take me on a pretty long journey. I think at first, maybe some of the deep dives on Wikipedia and things were probably not so helpful. (laughs) More just kind of scared me a little bit more than I needed to be. But Lupus Ontario also was one of the first resources that I found online after being diagnosed. And it was amazing. It was the website now and even then, which was, you know, about 10 years ago, just had really wonderful information. I remember that being a really important place that I went for for good, solid information that was very well-rounded and not scary like Wikipedia. Don't, don't research SLE on Wikipedia. <laughs> and so, yeah, I became very interested in that. And then someone who sort of, I think, over the years really kind of encouraged that interest in medicine with my family doctor. So I haven't, I haven't, I've really only talked about my rheumatologist so far, but my family doctor has played an immense role in my care over the years. So I go to him for so many things. I don't necessarily go to my rheumatologist for every single thing. And so I've seen him so many times over the last 10 years, just because of all of the little things that you have to deal with when you have lupus. Not everything you go to your rheumatologist for and so I would research something and something was going on I'd research it I'd come into his office I'd have all these theories about maybe what was going on and he was so kind and patient and he would just talk medicine with me and it was so wonderful and he was the first person actually who said to me hey Joy you know you should think about a career in medicine and it, it kind of blew my mind a little bit because I never really pictured myself in a role like that, um, just coming from an arts background. Yeah, I think that's, that really started changing kind of my view of what I, what I wanted to do and where I could see myself going in terms of my academic trajectory and also my kind of career goals as well.
0: Having a, a chronic condition, whether it's lupus or something else, that can be a heck of a motivator to really excel in a certain area, and why not medicine, right? You already are mm-hmm. familiar with what patients are gonna go through when they're diagnosed with something. Uh, you know the journey, what's going on in their mind, and, and how they're gonna walk through it with physicians and other people that they meet through the entire process. So why not make something out of that diagnosis that, that can really help benefit others? And I think this kind of segues nicely into my next question, or at least I hope yeah. it does. <laughs> And that is, so you went to U of T, you did biology, bioethics, you clearly have a knack for research and medicine that was evident even with your family doctor. So if you could take us to where you're at now and where your career has shifted uh, based on what you did in, in school and, and, and with your research.
1: Yeah, so I I would like to become a doctor. That's sort of my my long-term goal, and right now I am working at SickKids in research in the lab of Dr. Hoon Ki Sung. So, in the translational medicine department at SickKids, so in the research in the research department, and the work that we do, we study metabolism and fasting, obesity, things like that. It's a really interesting. It's really interesting the work that the lab does, and so I'm really fortunate that I've ended up there. I mean, if you had told me, you know, pre-diagnosis that in 10 years, I'd be working at a biology lab at Sick Kids Hospital, I don't think I would have believed you, but um, I really love the work that I do. I love being in research. Over the years, I've also done some clinical research as well. So that's where I'm at now, but I am uh, working towards getting into medical school and hopefully starting that journey as well
0: do you think you would have gone down this path if you hadn't been diagnosed with lupus
1: no i really don't think i would have and so i I don't i really don't think i would have i think my life would have looked very different when growing up i as for as long as i could remember i knew i wanted to do musical theater it was my whole world it was my whole identity and so when i got sick and couldn't do it anymore it was really life-changing for me in a really profound way and so I think that I've learned a lot through having this disease um, at first and for probably years I felt like I felt the loss of it the loss of my prior identity and dreams and goals but over the years I've sort of started building new dreams and a new identity and so sometimes it is still painful to look back and think oh you know that was the old me or I wonder what I would have been doing if it wasn't for this but I I usually don't think about it like that Um, this experience has been tough but I've grown so much as a person and I've the work that I now want to do is just so meaningful and I'm so passionate about it and I feel very fortunate. To be able to do it, and for the opportunities that I have, I mean, working at the kids is amazing. Um, yeah, so I'm just really grateful for for where it's led me. But it was I have had many challenges along the way.
0: Yeah, you've certainly turned a challenging situation and in diagnosis into a, a positive and a motivator. That's that's for sure. Yeah, you mentioned a little bit earlier about some of the mechanisms you use or used to use. To cope with lupus and that would be mm. using yourself you know giving yourself time to adjust to things maybe easing up on a workload have you use any of those mechanisms now or do you have any tips these days that you can perhaps pass on to people
1: for people who are in post-secondary now um, especially if you're just getting started and you have lupus or a chronic illness things that really helped me I mean everyone's going to be different so you can take these suggestions as a grain of salt but what really helped me, particularly in my first year, was not taking a full course load. I felt that this, it, was, it was a hard decision. I felt sort of like I would be judged or not meet certain expectations if I didn't take the full five courses. But in the end, it was a really good move on my part. I ended up being able to maintain really good grades and sort of ease into things. So, if you don't have to take a full course load, especially at the beginning, I would say something to try if you are nervous about sort of being able to balance everything. If you're in a position to do that, that really helps me. Something else that really helped in terms of kind of everyday or lifestyle things while I was a student, definitely having a solid sleep routine was key for me. And I actually loved going to university for this reason, because right before, I had been a bartender for about five years. <laughs> so I'd come home at like 4.30 in the morning after a shift and just my sleep schedule was all over the place, which was pretty tough. Once I got diagnosed with lupus, it was really hard to kind of maintain that type of schedule. So at school, I was able to follow more of a nine to five kind of thing. I would actually get up at 6 in the, 5.30 or six in the morning because I got a lot of work. I'm very, I'm very much a morning person. And so I knew when my brain was kind of working at its best, I would get up really early. This worked for me. So I'd get up around the same time every day, get a lot of studying done, go to my classes. And then I was usually a bit too tired to be super productive after my classes. So then I would kind of just like relax, do light studying and then go to bed around the same time. So that really helps with my energy because For me, I have to be really careful about not getting too tired, not burning myself out, because when I get tired, I get very tired, and sometimes it takes a while to bounce back. So I wanted to kind of pace myself in that way. And sleep, having a good sleep schedule really helps with that. Something else that really helps with having a good diet. So I know it's hard as a student for a lot of reasons, time, money, accessibility, all of those things, Um, but I hold a really simple kind of vegetarian and even towards the end of my degree, switched to a vegan diet. I lived off of, you know, like chickpeas, like canned chickpeas and like, you know, things like simple foods, but whole, wholesome, healthy foods. Um, that was really good. And I could really notice those weeks when I was getting too busy and just wasn't eating properly, I really felt it. Like I felt the effects, I, was, I didn't have quite as much energy and it kind of slowed me down. So maintaining, maintaining a good diet was key for me. And it's just key for me in general, in terms of managing my health. And then the final thing that I would say in terms of everyday things, and unfortunately, I didn't really discover this until I think it was my last year, walking. (laughs) So maybe just exercise in general, maybe aerobic exercise. I had a bike. I, I used to bike Everywhere. So, like in Toronto, I got a bike after about two years of living in Toronto, and then I just never took the PPC <laughs> unless I absolutely had to. And so, I would bike to class, and I lived really close to campus. So it would take me sometimes like four minutes to get to a class, which wasn't really much of a workout. So it was just kind of like biking to class it was very convenient, um, but I wasn't getting too much exercise. And then one day, a uh, a garbage truck backed. It backed into my bike bent the wheel yeah it was sad and so oh, i had to yeah. yeah i had to like no i wasn't on it i wasn't on it okay, oh, sorry. Good. <laughs> it was, it was probably important to make that clear
0: <laughs>
1: yes let me be clear while my bike was parked outside my apartment a garbage truck backed into it and bent the wheel and i was really mad but then i didn't have a bike for a while because i had to get it fixed, and i was busy so i put it off and i just started walking to class and it would be about you know 15 to 20 minutes each way and all of a sudden I noticed a huge difference in my mood in my energy uh clarity like my mind was much more clear I do get that brain fog that a lot of people with lupus talk about so this really helped me with that challenge and so walking was really good just for my mental health and physical health yeah
0: absolutely and like you say it's good for your mental health it can clear your mind it can let you focus more all of these things are good whether you mm-hmm. have lupus or not and you just want to have a healthy mm-hmm. lifestyle I feel like these tips can <laughs> yeah. be translated perfectly yeah through any situation
1: yeah and then some things too that just like going on that theme of what kind of helped me uh what kind of helped me manage throughout my undergraduate degree I would say if, you are, if you're listening, you're an undergraduate student at a university or a college, and you haven't signed up with, accessi- with their accessibility department, this is something that I highly recommend you at least consider. This helps me so much, and I know it's helped others. So, for example, at U of T, we have a department called Accessibility Services. So I had an accessibility counselor, and she would meet with me, and we would talk about some of the supports that I needed just to, for my academic success. And so I got a lot of help from them throughout the four years. And I honestly don't know. Um, it would have been a very different experience, I think, without that extra support. So this is something that, again, you know, I felt a little bit, I don't know, if I at first I was hesitant to to accept the help because I thought, oh, like, I'm not that, like, I don't need that, you know, but I have, I have a chronic illness and I got, I got the supports that I needed to succeed and I'm really happy that I did it. So um that's something i highly recommend as well
0: that's really good advice it's so hard sometimes to ask for help even though these services are there and that's what they're for mm-hmm. it's it's tough to get over the fear of being stigmatized or mm-hmm. being that person who's who's reaching out and you you kind of want to fly under the radar with everything mm-hmm. rather than advertise it sometimes but you're right these services exist at I, I want to say every post-secondary institution, certainly a lot of them, mm-hmm. whether do, or not yeah. uh, they may go by different names, but I know I, I went to the University of Ottawa and they certainly have a fantastic student academic su- success center there uh, mm-hmm. and they can help you with anything. You don't have to have an illness in order to take advantage of, of their services. They can give you tips on mm-hmm. how to study uh, and even with student life. So they offer such a range of tips and, and assistance that it's a it's a shame sometimes when kind of the fear of stigmatization can and be that block
1: yeah and again I think it also kind of it, I don't know if the stigmatization necessarily it was a little bit of that that's a great point as well but for me it was again going back to that sort of the old joy wouldn't need uh, accessibility yes. services that sort of self-judgment it was a lot of that for me. Um, but as soon as I kind of accepted that this is where I'm at and I want to succeed and these are the supports that I need to put in place to reach my goals, then things became a lot easier. I yeah. hope that makes sense. Yeah.
0: Oh, for sure. It absolutely does. And it's a good point because sometimes the pressure we put on ourselves, our our own mental blocks, almost our own barriers yeah. and walls we put up to, that we think are protecting ourselves and, uh, Hurting us more than mm-hmm. anything else. So that's that's a mm-hmm. really good point as well. And it's if you're self-aware enough to realize that, then it's something that you can move move past and and get the assistance should you need it. Yeah. I do have one other question that I'm gonna kind of surprise you with, maybe. maybe okay. <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> it, no, it's an easy one. It's an easy one. And okay. All it is is so you mentioned you were really good. You liked math uh, back in the day. And you started taking the courses at U of T, and you discovered that math perhaps was no longer your forte, or at least not something <laughs> that you really were passionate about. Yes. What was your favorite class at U of T when you were studying biology, and what was your least favorite?
1: Least favorite?
0: You can still like it, it's just least liked.
1: Sadly, my least favorite course that I took in undergrad was probably organic chemistry I took it over the summer it was taught very fast I had no idea what was going on I somehow I think I got an A plus in the course but I felt like I was failing the whole time it was kind of a rough ride organic chemistry I think a lot of people can relate to first year organic chemistry experience
0: it sounds like it would be a tough course (laughs) I didn't take chemistry in university and it sounds like it would be a difficult course
1: yeah it was tough it was it was tough My favorite course, oh gosh, I took, I, so I loved, I like, I loved what I was studying at U of T. I loved some of my bioethics courses. I took a course in my last year. It was a global bioethics course. It was awesome. It was really good. And then also just my biology courses too. Loved them. What I really loved, I would say my very favorite course was an immunology course and I didn't actually end up majoring or even monitoring in, in immunology. It was kind of a beginner course, but I loved it probably because it's very closely related to lupus and I was really interested in kind of how the immune system works. Um, and I wish I, yeah, I wish I got to take more of that, but immunology was a really good highlight for me, but took lots of great courses.
0: Well, if you go yeah. back for a third degree, immunology, <laughs> there you go. Yeah,
1: <laughs> There we go.
0: Okay. Well, Joy, thank you very much for joining us. It's been an amazing conversation. It's been a lot of fun. And we wish you well with your research and and hopefully your pursuit of either biology or medicine further down the road. So thank you very much.
1: Thanks, Brad. It's It's been really fun. Thanks for having me on.
0: I truly hope you found this conversation to be encouraging and insightful. Please join us in the coming weeks as our conversations turn toward lupus research and really understanding lupus from a medical perspective. Thank you for listening. We love hearing your comments and suggestions. Please write to us at podcast at lupusontario.org.